My name is Matt Clark, and I am the executive pastor of All Nations. We're a nonprofit in South County. We are devoted to seeing refugees and immigrants uh, here in St. Louis reached with the hope of Christ. My wife and I served as evangelism catalysts with the North American Mission Board for several years. And during that time, uh, we kind of formed All Nations as an entity that could exist on its own. In early 2018, we began operating that full-time, so we were no longer with the mission board, and that's kind of been our engine for connecting immigrants and refugees to Christ. What we do is we connect the international community to the hope of Christ by personally engaging those people. So obviously we spend time with those people, but the other thing we do is we work within the body of Christ to encourage and equip the local church to play its role in representing Jesus to these new neighbors. With 70,000 Bosnians, uh, even with the Bosnian Alliance, there's something like 30 people that, that are committed to that effort. 30 people aren't going to reach 70,000. And that's just the Bosnian. So it's an all-church effort. And so, yeah, All Nations is trying to bring churches together, like-minded people, and then equipping and empowering them to engage their new neighbors, to represent Jesus to them. And that is how I met your pastor. And um, so I'm here to talk to... Rockport about what does it look like as a body to step more intentionally into local cross-cultural ministry. The nations are here. We should still send people to the nations, but we also have the opportunity here to engage the nations. So I'll share a bit more detail about what we do at All Nations and where we might be able to join forces, but honestly, I would rather give you a bigger dose of the word and a smaller dose of me. And so if it's okay with you, the majority of my time I want to spend in the word. And then I will at the end talk about here's what we do and here's how you can connect. But first I want to plant a seed in your heart from the word. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 to 21. And I'm going to read that, and then like the whole thing, and then we will pray and get started. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 10 to 21, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might, not know, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore... We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
For our sake he made to be sin, made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, I just don't have any qualification to share this message. I'm a, I grew up in St. Louis, and uh, I'm a hot mess. But I believe that your Holy Spirit has empowered us to do your task your way with your power. And so, God, I just pray that your voice will come through your word this morning, that you will um, affect hearts. I, I don't want to uh, fill people's heads with more knowledge as much as, God, we want people to embrace the, the uh, ministry that you've called them to. So, God, I just pray that you are honored in the next few minutes as we study your word together and that we would leave this room different. We, all of us, including me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, there, according to this passage, there are two groups of people in the world, just two. There are those who need to be reconciled to God, and there are those who have been reconciled to God. And those of us in the second group have been given the task of seeing to it that those in the first group are reconciled to God. It's that simple. Paul says in 18 to 20, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you have not yet been reconciled to God, I implore you, as Paul would implore you, be reconciled to God. There's nothing more important in your life than to embrace the glory of God, to see the light of the gospel of Jesus. Knowing God and being known by God is the absolute greatest blessing bestowed on people ever. Period. End of story. Jesus came that we might have life, that we might receive peace, that we might find our ultimate joy in him. John Piper says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. We're called to enjoy God. Right? And that's the call. The call isn't like give up your fun and come join the church. The the call is Jesus is the greatest joy. Be reconciled to God. I have tried a lot of other things. I have spent 47 good years as a St. Louis boy. I have sinned all over the metropolitan area. And I am telling you that God is the best. All of that is a lie. It all leads to destruction. Jesus is joy. True joy is found in Christ. If you have not found peace with God through Jesus, make that happen today. And then you, I, I don't know a Christian that ever says, man, I really regret that. Like nobody has ever said, man, I spent my whole life as a Christian. What a waste. It just doesn't happen. You will not regret it ever, ever, ever. Be reconciled to God. And every day since, you will have peace and joy. There will still be hard days, but you will have joy. And that's a crucial message, but I want to spend the rest of the time focused on those of us who have already received reconciliation. Those of us who already understand the joy of newness in life with Jesus. We have been reconciled to God, past tense. And we are reconcilers, present tense. There's just two camps. 
There are those who need reconciliation. There's those who have received the ministry of reconciliation and implore others to be reconciled. That is who we are. That's our identity. We, the reconciled, are the messengers to the people outside the camp that reconciliation is available. That's not a task for some of us. That task is not exclusive to me, to my wife, to Pastor Scott, to missionaries, to the Bosnian Alliance. This is a task for each and every member of the body of Christ. And we are surrounded, surrounded by those God has put in our path that need to receive that message. Surrounded. They are waiting to hear it. Lost people who have come from other nations to make St. Louis their home are waiting to hear it from you, from me, from us. So this morning, we're going to dig into this ministry of reconciliation. We, if we have a ministry, we should understand it. But recognize the world is sitting out there right now waiting to hear it. They may not know they're waiting to hear it, but they are desperately waiting to hear it. Now, I want you to notice that your Bibles draw a dividing line between verses 10 and 11. There's probably a heading like Ministry of Reconciliation above verse 11, as if verse 11 is a whole new thought. And I want you to notice that, and then I want you to disregard it, because Paul didn't write that heading, right? Paul didn't create that break. Chapter and verse designations and titles and headings and all of that was added later by publishers. And I think a lot of times it distracts us from the flow of what's happening. So verse 11 starts with the word therefore. If you don't have verse 10, verse 11 doesn't make any sense. So those verses work together. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There's judgment coming, period. It's a fact, and we recognize it. Therefore, verse 11, Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. We know where this is going. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. There's a little seminary saying worth noting. When you see therefore, you need to ask yourself what it's there for. So when we see therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, we have to go back to verse 10 to see what leads to this. In verse 10, we see Paul declaring the reality of judgment. Judgment is coming based on what we have done. Therefore, therefore, or because of the reality of coming judgment, we persuade others. That's what we do. We don't just wait for the day when we are found righteous in Christ and get into heaven. We persuade others knowing that day is coming. In the next verse, he says, look, what we are is known to God. I hope you get it. I hope you understand why we're doing what we're doing. I hope you don't think this is because we want recognition. We hope you recognize that all of this is coming, not from a concern for outward appearance, But rather, we hope that you can see our heart is driving us to come to you and implore you to receive our message. Paul is saying it is because we recognize the reality of the coming judgment. It's because we have a healthy fear of the Lord, a recognition of his holy character. It's because we know for certain that if you face judgment for your deeds without the presence of Christ in your life, you are in a bad place. You are in a nasty predicament. It is because of that that we come to you. Because of these things, therefore, we persuade others. That brings us to point number one about reconciliation ministry, the motivation that should drive it. Why do we serve? Why do we share? Why do we all, why are we all called to a ministry of reconciliation? What is the motivation? The proper motivation for the ministry of reconciliation is passionate concern for those who need to be reconciled. Passionate, 
love for the lost. The proper motivation is not to be noticed, not to appear more holy, not to be commended for outward appearance. If you're a missionary, you get lifted up. You do. People are like, oh, you're a missionary. And they like lift you. And I'm always saying, look, I'm just a broken guy that's following Jesus and trying to do what he said. Like, I'm not on a pedestal. I'm no better than you. So we don't, I don't do it to get recognition. If everyone was doing what they were supposed to do, missionaries wouldn't be special. Right? So, that was, a, that was off the script. So. Um, so, we don't do it for that reason. We don't do it for props. We don't do it to be commended. We do it because we know of the fear of the Lord. We know the fear of the Lord, and we have concern for the lost sheep. The fear of the Lord and love for the lost are the gas in the engine of our ministry. Fear the Lord, love for the lost, married together. And that shouldn't surprise us because Matthew 22, Jesus summarizes the entire law that way. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. In other words, a full, complete, holistic fear of the Lord is the primary motivator of all of our living. We should be driven constantly, always, in everything we do by love for the Lord. Everything we do flows from our zeal for God. Paul says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Fully loving God. Not just emotionally, but also with our minds. Getting Him. Understanding Him. Knowing Him and who He is. Embracing all that that means. All the implications of what it means to know God. Our complete love of the Lord drives us to persuade others. It all stems from the greatest commandment, but it flows right into the second one. For Jesus says the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says all the law and the prophets, the entirety of the Old Testament, the full revelation of Scripture at the time Jesus was talking, all of it, hang on these two commandments. Love God and love others. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul's just expressing what Christian life is supposed to look like. Our full love for God results in a fear of the Lord that drives us to have a passionate concern for others as ourselves. When we, hear this, because we all celebrate Jesus, when we understand our need to be reconciled to God, when we understand the message so fully that we are compelled to respond in obedience, repent of our sins, call out to Jesus, when we see that and we, we're like, we need that, when we fully embrace the call to be reconciled, how can we help but embrace the ministry of reconciliation? Loving others as ourselves means we want for them what we want for us. And we want Jesus for us, right? We're excited about Jesus. We love Jesus. And we love him so much. We want him so bad. And we should want them to want it too. If we want Jesus for us, loving them as ourselves demands that we want it for them just as passionately. Not just sort of, but like just how excited are you to worship God? You should be that excited that your lost friends worship God. Amen. You should be passionate about it. By the way, I come in kind of hot sometimes. I'm always preaching it myself too. So FYI, I'm not sitting up here preaching at you. I'm preaching to us. We should have that same passion. There, I promise you there are days when I get up and go to the office and don't feel it. right? But we should want Jesus in their life that bad. So, look back at 2 Corinthians 5. Consider verses 13 and 14. He says, If we're beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. Two motivators. Love for God, which makes us crazy. 
That's what he says. If we're beside ourselves, if we're nuts, it's for God. Love for God makes us crazy. Love for others gives us clear purpose. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Then in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us controls us because we've concluded this that one died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised listen he says paul's saying we really get this and we get it so much that we are controlled by it we are controlled by it such that we don't even recognize our right to live for ourselves paul's constantly saying things like i'd rather be dead honestly because i'd be with the Lord, but I'm putting up with all the junk for you. Right? He got beaten, shipwrecked, and all that stuff, right? Why? For them. He was good. He'd have been better off in heaven. But he was controlled by the love of Christ, and he no longer recognized a right to live for himself. We are dead to self, but we live instead to serve him. We are so in obedience to the greatest commandment that our whole existence should be dedicated to serving him. That's how I ended up a missionary. I read a book, and I realized that um, I had considered myself a salesperson. Who are you? What do you do? I'm a salesperson. And what made me different from the other salespeople is I was a Christian. Right? I realized when I read this book that my identity was totally backwards. That I needed to be, who are you? I'm a Christian. What makes me different from you? I'm a salesperson. My core identity needed to be Jesus. The everything I do, the entirety of my life, needs to be focused on loving the Lord and loving the lost. Amen. Unfortunately, that means I end up no longer making a ton of money at AT&T. I end up being a missionary to people. So my pay goes way down because I figured out I was supposed to live for him. AT&T tried to get me back one time, and my atheist friend told them, he's not coming back. And they said, why? They said, try to get him back. He goes, he won't come back. He's crazy, but he's happy. <laughs> right? So I was controlled by the love of Christ. I really got it. And this plays out in concern for others. When you love God that much, verse 16 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. There's therefore again. Therefore, because we're controlled by the love of Christ... We now see people spiritually. We see people with spiritual eyes. That's what messed me up and got me out of AT&T. One time I prayed and I said, Jesus, I want to see lost people like you do. And I meant, I want to see my atheist friends with the same kind of heart and compassion that you would have for my atheist friends. And Jesus said, oh, you know those Muslim people you're really mad at because of 9-11? Here's how I see them. And it changed my heart. I now see them spiritually. I now see them as in need of reconciliation. I now see that Islam, Muslims, are not the enemy. Muslims are the victims of the enemy. They're the victims of the enemy. And we have a call to rescue them from the grasp of the enemy. They are spiritual souls in need of spiritual reconciliation with God who makes his appeal to them through us. In other words, our love for God is so whole. Our awareness, our fear of the Lord is so great. We are dead to self. We live for Him. We see all people the way He sees people. We don't view them in categories that are natural ways of dividing up humanity to make our lives easier. We love boxes. Skin color, nationality, religion, sexuality, political ideology, gender, socioeconomic class. We will break people up into a million boxes. But there's only two groups of people. 
There's the reconciled who have a ministry to the rec- those who need to be reconciled to heck with their label. We see all people as those in desperate need of spiritual reconciliation. We are his ambassadors to all people. I probably shouldn't have said to heck with in a Baptist church. I apologize. This is all further description of what Paul just, Paul summarized in verse 11, like bottom lined it, and then he expanded on it. Verse 11 said, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. We could put that on a t-shirt, and that would be a summary of our Christian identity. That's who we are. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. What do you do? Well, knowing the fear of the Lord, I persuade others. We, this isn't both and, this is, or this is both and, it's not either or. We must not be content to just know the fear of the Lord. We must let the fear of the Lord play itself out naturally, which is to lead us to persuade others. If we're not in the business of persuading others, it's a pretty good indication we're not controlled by the love of Christ. And perhaps we don't know the fear of the Lord quite as much as we think we do. Because if we really feared the Lord, therefore, we would persuade others. It's just how it works. We are to engage others with the call to be reconciled to God. Not just casually tell them that's a fail on one extreme. Like, hey, there's this thing, it's pretty cool, we like Jesus. And not belligerently berate them, which is a fail on the other extreme. Y'all are the worst and disgusting and everything you do is vile and repulsive to God, right? We persuade others. Paul chooses his language carefully. We don't beat them up and we don't kind of like soft shoe it. We persuade others, which brings us to point two. It matters how we minister. Point one, why do we minister? Love for God, love for others. Point two, how do we minister? Like Christ. Verse 14 says, the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ. Highlight that, underline it. We are to be controlled by his love as we minister on his behalf. If we are his ambassadors, if God is making his appeal through us, there should be no distinction between how we treat the people that we're talking to and how Jesus would if he was addressing them personally. Because he is addressing them personally through you. We shouldn't be interjecting our thoughts and our feelings into the situation. We should allow the Spirit of Christ to speak through us to the person that needs reconciliation. They ought to just feel Jesus. It should be as Christ, if Christ himself were appealing to them because he is. We are to minister like that. We are to minister in Christ-like righteousness. We need to avoid the two potential fail extremes I mentioned a second ago that derail Christian witness. It messes it up. The first is to focus so much on God's holiness in comparison to the broken sinner before you that we end up agents of condemnation. This is God. This is you. You're a mess. You're the worst. I don't even like you so much because you're not Baptist like me. Right? (laughs) That's a fail on one extreme. The second fail is to focus so much on the grace of God in comparison to the brokenness of the sinner before you that you neglect the message that reconciliation is needed. Like, you can mess it up either way. You can undersell the need for reconciliation and you can oversell how pathetic the person is and they don't see grace. We are to minister in that manner. We are to minister like he would. We need to see the proper balance in Paul's statement. He says in verse 20, 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore you. We cling to you. We hold on to you. We embrace you. We implore you passionately because we care deeply about you. Please be reconciled to God. I want that for you. That's the spirit. That's proper love. That's Christ-like love. But we don't leave it there. We implore with the message. Be reconciled to God. I love you so much. Therefore, be reconciled to God. You need to do this thing. It matters. It's not Christ-like love to embrace the sinner without pointing them to the solution to their problem. Full love embraces the sinner in their brokenness, embraces them, loves them in it, and points them towards the one thing that can fix it. Think how Jesus dealt with a woman caught in the act of adultery. All the guys went away because he said, who wants to throw the first stone? And he said to her, and this is the heart of what we are pursuing, if we want to minister like he does. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. I'm not beating you up. I care about you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. His message was not condemnation. He embraced her in her worst moment. And then he showed her compassion and love. But then he told her, you need to turn from your sin. And he told her in love to sin no more. That's how Jesus worked. Compassion and message. That's Christ-like compassion and ministry. Same thing with the woman at the well. I'm the water of life that you seek. I can give you everything you've ever wanted forever, ever, ever, and you'll never thirst again. But FYI, you've got a sin problem in your house. Jesus was compassionate. He loved sinners deeply, but he loved them so deeply he was compelled to address the cause of their separation from God. He had to call out that lady's sin. You've been married five times. This guy's not your husband. The water of life is available, but lose the sin. It's both. If we are truly dead to self, if we're acting as agents of Jesus, we won't see people according to the flesh. We'll see them as Jesus sees them. Our ministry will look like his ministry because our ministry is his ministry. We are the hands and feet. Luke talks about in Acts, he says, I already told you in Luke what Jesus began to do. And Acts, Jesus goes away in like chapter 1 of Acts, but that's still what Jesus is doing. That's what Luke is saying. Jesus continues to do. He just does it now through us. We meet people where they are. We'll be brokenhearted for them. We will seek to give our lives if necessary to bring them to a place of reconciliation with God. That is what Jesus did. That is what his disciples ought to do as we allow him to minister to us. Give it all away. Let God have it. Sell it all for them. Amen. Give your life for them. Because you're good. You're a new creation. Done deal. Waiting for heaven. In the interim, give it all for those who are in the other camp. There are only two camps. The camp that needs to be reconciled to God. The camp that has been reconciled to God and is now sent out as agents of reconciliation. Period. That's the bottom line. If you have not been reconciled to God, I implore you again, like I did before, do that even today. Call out to Jesus. Allow him to do the reconciling work on your behalf. Turn from your sin to your Savior. Be reconciled to God. I implore you. I don't know you, but I love you that much. I could be at my church. I pastor a house church. But I'm here because I love you. Because somebody here needs to hear the gospel. And I'm here to implore you 
Not that you wouldn't have. But I'm here to implore you, be reconciled to God. You will then get placed on a pretty cool adventure. Because you will be the newest agent of reconciliation operating on behalf of Jesus. Which is way better than the mess that your life is today. Come join the party. It's super cool. You end up in Bosnia. You end up in Turkey. I stood in the church of Antioch. Little cave with a Muslim guy. What? That's crazy. Why? Because I decided to do what Jesus called me to do. And he's taken me all over the place. It's great. It's way better than selling advertising at AT (laughs) AT&T. In the yellow pages. Young people, you don't even know what that was. It was like a book. And you looked up pizza places. And I had to sell pizza places that they should put their ad in that book after the book was no longer really used. It was the worst. Anyway, that's not. (laughs) Jesus is better. If you've been reconciled, though, then I implore you to recognize your role. Meditate on the truth of 2 Corinthians 5.11. Therefore, family of God. Therefore, Rockport Baptist. Therefore... Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. That's what we do. That's who we are. There are only two questions before you today. Are you reconciled to God? Yes or no? If no, be reconciled to God. If yes, are you persuading others? If you're not, you're not living out your identity. That's who you are. You are a minister of reconciliation. That is who you are. You don't have the option not to be. You can be a good minister of reconciliation or you can be a bad one, but you are a minister of reconciliation. Think Jonah. Jonah was commissioned by God to go to Nineveh. That was true regardless of which direction he headed. He didn't cease to be commissioned because he refused to go. We don't cease to be ministers of reconciliation by ignoring the task. So let's get practical. What's, this is the final point of the day. We've been given a ministry motivated by love, executed in Christ-likeness. What do we do with it? In 2 Corinthians 6, he says, Paul, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left through honor and dishonor, slander and praise. That's what we do. That's how we do it. That's our call. I think we should consider that the blueprint for how we're supposed to operate. We put no obstacles, no obstacles in anyone's way. If it's in the way of the ministry, lose it. No matter what situation or difficulty we're placed in, we endure, we press on. We don't seek our rest. We have it. We are in the Sabbath rest of the Lord. We seek others' rest. We are called to endure for their sake, for those who are outside the rest of Christ, the unreconciled. We should let no concern of our own stand in the way of them finding reconciliation. We are called to make peace and show the path of peace to others. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. When we walk out of here, we need to be 100% committed to the ministry of reconciliation, setting aside positions, debates, rights, comforts, anything that might prevent others from being reconciled to God. Controlled by the love of Christ. Paul said, controlled by the love of Christ. Are we controlled by the love of Christ? I'm going to ask a few tough questions, and I want all of us, me too, to really let them penetrate our hearts. Not quick answer. Really consider with our hearts what might be the true answer, even if we don't like it. So when we hear about the refugee crisis, does our first instinct reflect the controlling love of Christ? Are we compelled in love to take the message of reconciliation 
to Muslim refugees. Or, it's going to get edgy, so stick with me. When a lost person says, a lost person says to you, Black Lives Matter, or Blue Lives Matter, or All Lives Matter, is our first instinct to listen to the lost person's broken heart and affirm that their life does matter to the God that has you before them as his agent making his appeal through them. Are you in that moment controlled by the love of Christ? When somebody outside the family of God, lost person, we can find inside, it's a whole different story. When a lost person says to you that they want to enforce a medical mandate or that they want to lose a medical mandate in opposition to whatever your political position is on masks and vaccines, are we primarily compelled by the love of Christ to seek that person's spiritual good? Amen. Who cares? I mean, it matters, but not nearly as much as they matter. Paul says, In Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. He goes on to say that God has entrusted that message to us. Entrusted. Are we acting in a manner worthy of the trust? Has God's trust in us been well placed? I'm going to say this again. If you've not been reconciled to God, if you recognize there's separation between you and him brought about by your sin, and you need to make it right, make today the day. Second, If you've been entrusted with this message of reconciliation, what have you let creep in and crowd out the purpose of your life? You are still here for a purpose. What's creeped in? Apathy, frustration, fear, rights, policy positions? What is in you that's keeping you from doing what you're called to do? What do we need to lay down at the altar that is holding us back from letting God make his appeal through us? If commitment to anything creates a barrier to reaching people for Christ, we have to lay it down. That might be you're into video games too much. Lay it down. That may be you're obsessed with politics too much. Let it go. Paul says emphatically, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Can we say right now, no fault may be found with our ministry? That we put no obstacle in anyone's way. If we let anything obstruct somebody else's path to reconciliation, we're not controlled by the love of Christ. Because the love of Christ would lay it all down for the honor of the Father and the redemption of the lost. That's what Jesus did. Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. That's our calling. That's our ministry. That's our privilege and blessing to declare the glory of God. Not just in here where it's safe, but out there where it's needed. I'm going to try to rush. I don't know what time. Is it just right? 12 or 4? All right. Everybody wants to eat. I'll do it quick. <clears throat> Never stand the way of a Baptist in his buffet. Now, what does any of that have to do with refugees and immigrants? That's why I'm here. Well, God has located these refugees and immigrants in St. Louis for a reason. They need us to display to them the compelling love of Christ and implore them to be reconciled to him. We have been placed in a context. They've been placed in a context. Who's going to implore them to do that other than their Christian neighbor? Who? Who other than the body of Christ? Who other than us? 
Acts 17, Paul says, he's talking in Athens, he says, He, meaning God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and their boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. But he's not actually far from each one of us. People live where they live because God has decided it's time for them to live there. And he does that so that perhaps people that don't know God can feel their way toward him and find him. We live where we live, surrounded by others who live where they live, so that those who don't know Christ can come to know Christ through our witness. That was the setup. You live here because he put you here. And your neighbor's Bosnian because he decided so. Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and atheists and other people have all come to make St. Louis their home at this time in history because God wanted them here at this time in history so that perhaps they could feel their way toward him and find him. And we are the how God is choosing to make that happen. And if we don't do it, well, he'll smack you around until you do it. That's how God works. (laughs) It's going to get done. Like We have assurance. That's what I believe. That is what I've staked my life on. That is why I get up every day and step into the refugee and immigrant community. That's why I accept literally every pastor that's ever said to me, would you come speak at my church? Immediately I say yes, and then I tell my house church, i got to skip another Sunday, right? Because I believe that passionately. I want to raise that banner. I want to encourage others to commit themselves to seeing the nation's reach for Christ, because that's our task. We exist to see people reconciled to Christ. We exist here to see people here reconciled to Christ. We're not in heaven now because he has something he intends for us to do first, which is to bring the family together, gather the people from all nations. So this is where we need to have a conversation about what it looks like for Rockport to partner with all nations and with other churches in our area to make certain everybody in our city has the opportunity to hear the gospel. Everybody in our city should have that opportunity to hear the gospel and be loved by the people of Jesus. In all nations, we do two things. First, we work with the body of Christ to encourage and equip this kind of ministry. We do that. We accept invitations to speak in moments like this. We also provide training and equipping resources because it kind of freaks people out when you say you should go hang out with Muslims and tell them about Jesus. So we provide training. We equip people. That can be as simple as you coming into our office and say, I got a Bosnian neighbor and I want to know what it looks like to engage them more directly. How should, how, what should I do? How can you help? And we will just sit down and we'll talk you through that. People do that. They come to us and we just chit-chat about a good way to do that. It could be more formal. We could come here. We could lead your small group through a six-week study on how to take your existing international relationships and inject the gospel into them. Or we could give you a six-week study on how to develop international relationships in the first place if everybody you're hanging out with looks and believes like you. Or we, yeah. So if you have a desire to engage the nations, this is the bottom line. All nations is going to do whatever it takes to equip you to effectively act on that desire. Whatever it takes, we're going to make that happen. Second thing we do at All Nations is we connect refugees and immigrants with Christians who can be their friend one-to-one and walk with them as they navigate their new life in St. Louis. And we pray that through that, perhaps they can find their way to God. We have refugees that come to us looking for someone to help them navigate the waters in St. Louis. We're super obviously Christian on our website. They come to us anyway and say, I need a friend. I need help. And then we pair them with someone who has volunteered to serve us in that capacity. And now they have a friend, full-on friend. Somebody said, what's the time commitment? I said, do you ask, like, hey, I got a new friend. What's the time commitment? Wrong question. You're their friend. 
right? Sometimes you're busy, that happens, but you're friend. The real difference between those two things is that the one equips you to serve the people God has placed in your path already. The second is a means by which we connect you to someone who needs Christ that's in our circle of influence. We can train you to, equip, to engage people in your circle of influence, or we can share with you the people in our circle of influence and have you reach them. If you want to do that, we are looking for several women right now who have daytime availability to engage with Turkish Muslim women in Afton who are asking for friends and people to help them learn English better. And we need women in the daytime that are willing to do that. If you want to do that, let me know. Our contact info is out there. And I hesitate to mention this because I don't want to distract, but you could contribute to the work of all nations. We're a nonprofit. That's how it works. And the reason I say I hesitate is because the point of the message this morning is the call to be ministers of reconciliation. And a lot of times when you say, hey, you could give to our work, people think, okay, well, I'm going to pay them to do the work, right? But you're ministers of reconciliation. So if you want to give to us, great. But that doesn't excuse you from the responsibility of taking the message of Christ to the nations. But I won't turn down your check. Turn out. <laughs> Whether you come help us or we come help you, we are happy to serve alongside you at Rick Rockport. The Lord has called the church in St. Louis to work together in unity to see the nations reach for Christ. Who you engage, how you engage them, is dependent on who God calls you to engage and how. That you are called is what we just talked about this morning. You are. So as we close in prayer, join me in praying that the Spirit of God will do a mighty work in every heart in this room today. Think about this for real. If everyone left this room, reconciled if they weren't, and super controlled by the love of Jesus if they were, willing to set aside anything that hinders our ministry as ambassadors to the lost and hurting world, if that hap- everyone in this room left that way, you could change South County by yourself. Amen. In fact... If this whole church got that kind of passionate, you could make a kingdom difference that people would see measurably. So ask God as we pray to see that happen and to reveal to you the harvest work, harvest you're called to work. And then I'll hang out back there and you can talk to me more. And I can apologize for keeping you from your lunch. So, God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be reconciled to you. We don't deserve it. You said, and Paul shared with us uh, as we did the Lord's Supper. You said, this is my body which is for you. Like We've heard that so many times, God, but you, God, said this is my body which is for you. That message of reconciliation is crazy. And forgive us if we've gotten tired of hearing it. And forgive us if we don't care enough to share it. And Jesus, you have put these people around us, and I know you intend to reach them. So do what it takes, Lord. Send your spirit out to call the church to love its neighbors well. In Jesus' name, amen.